The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. Fishing Rick is going to be joining us a little bit later on, uh, but back on the podcast this evening is WA local T. Cray. G'day, Macca. Good to be here. Good to be here. Great to have you back on, buddy. Cheers, Macca. Looking forward to having a chat about the game. That's it. Pity it wasn't a win. Yeah, didn't didn't get the chocolates this time, but you can't win them all. That's right. Well said. Well, look, we'll go straight into it and do our love and hate. Uh, One thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around Port Adelaide this week. Um, Mate, what was your love? I just loved Brad Ebert's game. I thought he was... Outstanding. I had him as our best player. He got about 30 possessions, took 14 marks. He's running up and down the wings of Subiaco pretty much all night. It was just fabulous to watch. He, I thought, really controlled the game from our point of view in terms of being that guy that was presenting for the defence. And I thought if a few others perhaps ran as hard as he did, all game, not just in parts, we might have got a different result. Yeah, no, that's a great call. He was fantastic. He was unlucky not to be my best on ground as well, I think. Um, yeah, he was pretty much the perfect link man, I thought. Um, it was great to see him. As we all know, he's such a fantastic runner. Um, but, you know, he, he had some down spots last year. I mean, if he plays like this for the rest of the season, I mean, he's going to have some sort of season, that's for sure. Yeah, well said. I think it's a... Probably a really good sign for us that when we talk about our best midfielders, he probably doesn't enter the discussion until maybe four or five in. Yeah. The fact that we've got a guy like that who is maybe yeah somewhere like our fourth or fifth best midfielder really um, speaks volumes about how strong our midfield is. That's right. Absolutely. Look, my love was Chatty Wingard. You know, he didn't play a game in the preseason. I wasn't really expecting him to do much outside of playing as a pretty much a standalone sort of really deep forward in the forward 50 um, crummer. But he was fantastic. He worked super hard all over the ground. You wouldn't even know that he didn't have a preseason. Um, he almost ended up being the match winner in the last quarter and almost got us over the line as well. You know, he really came to play and well, hopefully he gets back to his old Australian best this year. Oh, yeah, it was it was shades of his, his prelim against Hawthorne, actually, in that last quarter. He really ran out the game strong, and I thought, I, I just like him playing further up the field. I know he's quite dangerous, closer to goal. He, he takes good marks and kicks goals from the pockets and stuff like that, but he does provide a real X factor in that midfield that, that we really do need, and when he's running off half-back, he just looks like, he just looks unstoppable at times. And yeah. yeah, yesterday, coming off a limited preparation, he was he was looked like he hadn't missed a beat really. Yeah, no, that's spot on. Um, what was your hate this week? My hate was I think judging by the forum, a lot of people might agree with this. The the forward line, but more particularly the, the way the toll forwards worked or didn't work. <laughs> we had yeah, that's a, it's a bit like that. You had Jay Schultz and Johnny Butcher playing there for the majority of the game. Westhoff and Paddy Wright are sort of pushing pushing forward at times. But there was just no cohesiveness. There was no plan. It was it was all over the place. I think we 
we lacked that lead up tall forward, someone to present at the ball carrier, the guy on the wing trying to kick it forward. Schultz tried hard, but McFarlane wore him like a glove all night. And then we had Johnny Butcher, who I know he was late inclusion, so it's probably a bit unfair, but he didn't really seem to have much of an idea what he was doing. He was getting caught between two and three players, blocking Schultz's leads. And it was just it just didn't work for him. Yeah. Look, my hate is on a very similar path. Um, the lack of competitiveness from our forwards, um, particularly our tolls as well. I mean, we had, as you mentioned, we had the three tolls out there. Um, none of them had any sort of impact at all. Then we had Need and Monfries who had no impact. I know that Monfries was a sub, but when he came on, he, he didn't really give us the spark that we needed. Um, Schultz was killed by McFarlane. Butcher had two touches after quarter time. Um, Westhoff had to go down back to get a kick. Um, the lack of anything to kick up to up forward was a huge reason why we lost this game. And, you know, I really expected more from these guys. I think I think everyone did expect more. On, on paper, we have a really strong forward line. But for some reason, yesterday, it just did not come together for us whatsoever. And you can probably throw Matt White in as another one who yep. didn't quite have any sort of impact on the game. Yep, that's a good call. Yep. Hopefully this week against the Swans, we can uh, get our forward line for, uh, firing. And, you know, we pretty much need to if we're going to win that game. Spot on. Won't be easy. Well, look, let's um, let's have a bit of a review. Um, we'll go straight into it. It was round one against Fremantle at uh, Domain Stadium. Um, Port led at every change, except for the one that mattered most, uh, losing by seven points. Uh, we lost 11 goals, nine to 10 goals, eight. Um, Ollie Wines and Chad Wingard were the only two multiple goal kickers with two goals each. Um, mate, do you want to give us a quick overview of the game? Yeah, sure. It was, I think, probably the most highly anticipated game of the round in, in the whole league. It was free on port semi-finalists. We played a classic semi-final where we managed to prevail by a couple of kicks. And it was a tough game from the very start. We got off to a flyer. We kicked the first two goals of the game. Then we had a, n- a number of other opportunities which we couldn't quite nail, and Frio came into it. And from pretty much from quarter time onwards, it was a complete arm wrestle. It was hard to score. It was tight. It was tough. We seemed to play a quite possession-based game. I think at the game, I felt as though the instruction was to be patient, basically, to not, yep. yeah, to not hurry our kicks to not move the ball along too quickly because Frio had numbers back. They're a very good defensive team. So the idea was be patient, use the ball, switch it if you need to, just don't give the ball back to them, which I think we did quite well, really, but it turned the game into an arm wrestle. And in the end, if you're going to have an arm wrestle with another good team, it's, it's going to be a line ball game. And we unfortunately fell on the wrong side of that. I think, 390 possessions is what we had, which is quite an astonishing number, especially to lose a game with. So, And most of them were uncontested possessions, chip, chip, chip sort of game style. So that's the way the game was played from our point of view. Frio tried to hit us on the counter-attack. They probably didn't make the most of their opportunities either, but that was just part of the arm wrestle. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good overview there. Um, I want to talk more about our game plan because it's not something that we've seen a lot of under Hinckley, um, that real sort of measured and patient possession is king approach. Um, and as you said, it was heavily based around these short kicks, um, you know, very, very patient football. Um, do we think this is a one-off just as a response to what Frio were doing? I think, it is, I think it's definitely a one-off. I don't, 
I don't imagine that we'll be going into too many games this year with that as our as our modus operandi. But no. I think it's good to see us play a different style because sometimes you do need to play a different style. Yeah. Um, especially against the good teams. You can't just all that attack all the time, especially when the, the game's going against you. But yeah, I don't I don't think we'll see that one starting this week against Sydney. I think we'll see more of a to more of our run and carry style. I wonder if this was in response to... I mean, you, you look at the semi-final last year, you look at the um, final round match last year, and we, and we both had a quarter in each game where it looked like we lost that match. Um, you know, it was the third quarter um, in the final round and it was the second quarter in the semi-final. I wonder if this was a response to um, what we had seen last year. Almost, Almost certainly, you'd think. I'm... Because despite the fact that we did beat them in that final, we got pretty well dominated in that first half. So I think maybe that was the idea. Keep it tight rather than relying on a big comeback. Um, But yeah, as a response, it was pretty good because we didn't get blown away at any point. I think Ford on on the Ford Fairlane on the forum mentioned that, that we didn't get dominated by them at any point. They probably didn't kick more than two goals in a row at any stage in the game. So from that point of view, it worked. But I guess in the end, the one thing that matters is the scoreboard, and that didn't go our way. Well, what did we do well? What did you enjoy about the game from our perspective? What did we do well? I thought I thought at times we defended quite well as a back six. I thought most yep. of the back line had a, had a good game. Tommy Jonas... Jarman MP on Valentine was, was sensational. And then there was Alipade Carlisle before he got injured. Jackson Trengove coming back from his shoulder operation. He, he was another who didn't look like he missed a beat. So I thought we defended quite well at times. I'm not sure how many marks they had inside 50, but I think it was quite a low number. So I thought that was good. Yep. Yep, same with me. I thought our defence was fantastic. Lost of second and third efforts, and, and I thought the, the defensive unit as a whole really played for each other. Um, I mean, some of the spoils and, and marking attempts of guys like Trengove and Jonas were fantastic. Homsch had a pretty good game as well, except for maybe the last quarter when Pavlich got away from him a little bit with Carlisle off the ground. Um, I personally loved our possession style. I thought it was something unique and different that we haven't seen under Hinkley before. And look, it almost came off. You know, we got within seven points of beating um, Frio away from home, which only three people have done in the last 32 games um, at Domain Stadium. And I loved our skills. I thought our skills were fantastic. I thought we were really hitting our handballs. I thought our foot skills were outstanding. And I know quite a few people said on the forum that they thought that we were still sort of over handballing as a bit of a follow-through from um, what was seen in the preseason. But I didn't really think we were doing that at all. Neither did I. Well, not any more than we would normally do. Mm. I thought, in, in fact, I thought our handball, our use of handball to get out of trouble was actually one of the things we did pretty well last night. Um, yep. It was more our kicking going forward and we kept breaking down across half forward. That's where that's where we came unstuck. That's it. Well, where do you think we uh, struggled? Where do you think we lost the game? Definitely that. Just couldn't yep. hit a target up forward across the half-forward line. We managed to hold the ball, defended pretty well, held the ball pretty well, but then once we kicked it forward, we just had nobody who who could, I guess, 
you know, present up, take 10 marks, provide quick transition to the forwards, and we just couldn't score, basically. Yeah. Or couldn't create enough opportunities to, to kick a winning score. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, we just had nothing to kick to up forward, and that was a huge, huge issue. Um, even though our midfield were, were doing their bit. Um, having said that, though, I thought our clearance work was abysmal. I think we were six... Six against 16 at the centre bounce, so we were minus uh, 10 there. Um, and I thought we lacked a lot of composure uh, delivering inside 50. I thought we had quite a few kicks where it looked like a goal should have been a lay-down Mazair, but somehow we just managed to stuff it up, um, either by sort of trying to back back um, into a tackle or you know just missing the kick, missing the handball. Um, one thing I want to mention is the loss of Loby. He pulled out um, before the game with a, a quad issue. Um, do we think the result might have been different had he have played? Well, we'll never know whether the result would have been different, but it, it was not ideal to, to lose him. I think it was probably ominous that he didn't train with the group on Saturday. And as it turned out, he was late withdrawal. Could the result have been different? Maybe. I think Sandlin's absolutely destroyed us in the middle, especially yep. when it came to the centre clearances. We got absolutely smashed. And the ones that we did win, we had to work bloody hard to win the ball back from his original tap. Loby's record against Sandlin isn't that fantastic, I think. But it would have been good to have both Loby and Ryder able to alternate and save the energy, I guess, maybe would have provided a better contest. Yeah. I think this was actually Ryder's first time going up against Sanderlands head-to-head. I don't think they've actually met before um, as lead rucks, um, which is quite interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure Ryder was as effective as what he probably could have been if he was the second ruck and if we had Loby sort of jumping into... Um, Sandlands, you know, for the first sort of 15 minutes of every quarter and then, then having Ryder come in. Um, it just seemed that everything that Ryder tried, whether it was jumping early or jumping into him or, or you know, just 100% going out for the tap, you know, nothing seemed to work in his favour. No, no, it didn't. And it was it was a tough, a tough first game for him, for the club. I think it, it, he's got an interesting style, Paddy Ryder. He's, he likes to run and jump at the ball, which is... A little bit different from Loeb's, yep. but yeah, it, it just it just didn't work for him. But he's not the first or last guy to to be beaten by Sandlands. Um, no, that's right. He's a he's a big unit and he's hard to get on top of. But again, I think you could really tell when Sandlands went for a rest towards the end of the quarters and things like that that we suddenly became a lot more competitive around the stoppages. And it, it's just telling in the end their rock dominance. Yep. No, that's right. Well, I guess that's why Santa Lance is one of the best ruckmen of his generation and a multi-Old Australian winner. So, uh, you know, he was probably their best player or, or certainly their most influential, I think. Um, do you think we took too many underdone players in? Um, I'm talking about guys, not even the ones that were injured, um, but also guys that hadn't really had that much of a, a very good sort of preseason. Guys like White, um, Need. Um, Schultz and Westhoff had pretty poor pre-seasons as well. Um, you know, do you think that played a bit of a part? Yeah, may- maybe. I think the the guys that 
were injured in the preseason. We're talking about Trengove, Hartlett, um, Wingard, Wingard, yeah. yeah. I thought I thought they were pretty good, but yeah, yeah. Like, as you mm. said, it was more the guys who who looked a bit out of touch in the nab games that that seemed to struggle. So maybe that's just a natural. Some people, some players will ease into the season, and some are firing from the start. Hopefully, guys like Westhoff and Schultz sort of work into it in the next few weeks because we're going to need them to. Yep. But yeah, in hindsight, could have we played a guy like Aaron Young who who looked in who looked in really good touch in the NAB games? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's one of those sort of six or one half a dozen of the other now. I guess you never really know, but I mean, maybe going in with with Jakey Need who'd struggled for touch in the preseason cup. You know, maybe going in with Matt White who'd also really not really had much of a kick. Um, in the three preseason games, maybe that was a mistake. You, I guess you never know, but I guess in the end you got to back the team that you know won your finals last year, and you know Whitey and Needy were part of that. Um, so I think from Hinkley's point of view, I don't think he'll be second guessing himself in that regard. No, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't second no, guess himself. No. How good is Ollie Wines? What a <laughs> game by Ollie! Uh, I think I think we all love Ollie. Um, there's no there's no doubt about it. Uh, in that first quarter, when he when he had that one on one with Walters on the wing, and he just bowled him over like he was a like he was a little child and ran away with the footy, that was just amazing to watch. And kicked a couple of good set shots when when others were missing them as well. He's just he's just an absolute star, and he's only going to get better. That's the scary thing. It's insane that he's still only what twenty years old, and you know, just coming into his third season, his fiftieth game, it was an absolute ripper to celebrate that fact. Um, and you know, once again, he kicked a clutch goal at the end there, which he did in finals the last two years. Um, I think he's up for a, a massive season. If 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 last night is anything to go by, he is he'll he'll definitely be in a two way or maybe three way battle for the best and fairest with Boke and Gray yeah. and. You know, all Australian honours, maybe not out of the question because he's just he's just that good, and yeah, I mean, there's not much more you can really say about him. He's just he's just I can't remember anyone apart from maybe Judd and Selwood who have had a better first fifty games. Mm. No, that's a fair call. That's very fair call. Um, Jarman Impey looks to have improved his defensive ability quite a lot and also his composure under pressure, I thought, as well. Um, that was, in my opinion, by far his best game of AFL football. Yeah, I'm, I'd agree with that, matter. I think he's, he's, he's our Ballantyne killer. That's, that's what he's, he's known for at this stage of his career. He's, he's done the job on Ballantyne a number of, on a number of occasions. He... He's always, since he came into the team, been a really good defensive player. He's got the speed to to close down a, a good forward like Valentine. He's 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 good in the air. He's good on the ground. the The one question mark has been his disposal, but I think based on last night, he is improving that. And I think once he tidies that up, he can actually become not only a good lockdown defender, but a good a good player in terms of our rebound. Running off the running off the back line because he does have pace. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing his development throughout the year, and hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year we we look back and he's and he's locked down he's locked down a spot in our team because there's a, there's a spot there for a small defender, and you know he looks like he, Ken's going to give him the first crack at it. Yeah. 
no doubt. I think there was probably quite a few people that um, maybe questioned his selection last night, maybe thought that he wasn't quite ready, but, you know, I thought he absolutely came to the party and, you know, he, he was well in our best players. And, you know, to keep Ballantyne to five kicks and, you know, pretty much only one goal was his fault. Um, you know, I'm, you can't really call that last-minute goal where uh, Jasper got tackled um, and, and Ballantyne ended up with a with an easy goal, um, anything to do with Impey. But, you know, he had a fantastic game. And, yeah, as you said, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do for the rest of the year. Do you think our loss is any sort of cause for concern? I don't think... In terms of the way we played, I don't think it's a cause for concern. I think that we would have beaten maybe 14 or 15 other teams last night. But I don't think that if we're, if we're talking about competing for top four grand finals premierships, I, I'm not sure that honourable losses really do cut it. And we have a really tough first four or five weeks of the season. So I think it's cause for concern from the fact that we've dropped one and we've got another three or four tough games coming up and we need to get on the board soon because you don't want to be chasing the season too early. It puts so much pressure on this week um, to win at home against the Swans who had a a fantastic come-from-behind victory themselves. Um, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on us to deliver this week. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not probably all that concerned about the loss itself. I thought we played quite well. Um, I thought both teams played really well. Um, and unfortunately, someone's got to lose these games. Um, and I, sadly, it was us last night. But, you know, as you said, you know, had we played like that against 14 or 15 other clubs, then we definitely would have come home with the points. Yeah. I'm, I might actually throw a question yep. back at you, Maka. I does it at all concern you that our recording close games over the last 12 months or so? Uh, yeah, it's probably been a bit disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially after all the good work that we did in 2013 in, in Kenny's first year where we had so many come-from-behind wins. Um, you know, we, we've kind of lost that aura over the last couple of seasons. Where, and, and it was certainly something that I mentioned a lot on the podcast late last year was our composure in tight games um, and our composure in the forward line, you know, kicking the goals that we need to kick, that sort of thing. I don't think we really missed any sort of absolute gimme goals yesterday that, that probably cost us the game. Um, but yeah, absolutely, I think it's a cause for concern. You know, at some point we've got to win these games and whilst it's good to come from behind in, in finals like the semi-final last year, um, you know, there was probably five or six other games last year where you just thought, geez, it would have been good to win that. Yep, and I think that's that's kind of the feeling at the moment. It'd be nice to win one yep. of those close ones. That's Yeah, I mean, that's the, the real sort of thing that I'm taking away from this. It was just like one that got away. You just thought, I don't know, I was just completely bummed after the game. You know, it was just like, oh, you know, so close. God, it would have been good to win that, you know, just to uh, to win such a tough, hard game in round one away from home. Would have been awesome, but, you know. Nevertheless, we move on to next week and, and hopefully we can get the job done against the Swans. Yep, back at back at Adelaide Oval. Hopefully there's a big crowd and, and the boys can can get over the line against the Swans. Well, who were your top five last night, mate? I had... My best was Brad Ebert. Then I had Ollie Wines, Robbie Gray, and then I had Jared Pollock, who I thought I don't think we've mentioned him yet. He was he was sensational. He 
outstanding. I think he's probably one guy on our list who has some real scope for improvement over the next couple of years. And it was it was good to see him play so well last night. And I also thought Chad was was really good, especially coming back from that that knee up. He was he was really important for us. No, I like them. Yeah, for me, Ollie Wines was best on ground. Just a massive monster performance. You know, he started off the game with a bang in the first quarter. I think Subin went on him um, in the second quarter and shut him out a little bit. Um, but then came uh, came back in with a huge second half, kicked a, a clutch goal in the last quarter there. Would have been the match winner had we uh, had we got over the line. Um, but what a performance it was. Um, Jared Pollock, as you said, we hadn't mentioned him, but you know, I had him as uh, second best on ground. I think far and away his best game of AFL football. Um, you know, he barely wasted a disposal, and I thought his run and carry was absolutely critical at times throughout the game. Where it looked like we were getting bogged down at times with that sort of patient style, and Jared was pretty much the only player sort of coming through and, and breaking the lines and hitting those targets um, with sort of second, third, and fourth efforts across you know 100 plus meters. He was brilliant. Um, Brad Ebert, as as we've already spoken about quite a bit. He was fantastic. Jarman Impey, I had his fourth best uh, with his job on Ballantyne. And Jackson Trengove, I thought, was excellent at centre-half back and really controlled that back line, made a number of crucial uh, crucial spoils um, and really controlled the game um, on Clark there. Um, Yeah, I mean, and and there's probably another four or five that deserve to be mentioned as well um, that we haven't really spoken about at length. You know, Robbie Gray was great as well. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. I mean... It, it probably says a lot about how well we did actually play, even though we lost, that we can so easily name name those players who had outstanding games. Yeah, that's it. Well, look, uh, let's have a quick chat about the rest of the weekend. Um, across the rest of the AFL, what sort of piqued your interest most um, in round one? I thought the, the, game that, the game that maybe came as a bit of a shock to the system was the Gold Coast-Melbourne game. I yep. think most people expected the Suns. Ablett was named to play. I think, you know, Rodney's first game as coach, I think everyone expected them to step up and, and, and win that game quite comfortably. Yep. But pretty much from the first bounce, it, that was not going to happen. The no. Ds came out and they and they, they were actually quite, quite enjoyable to watch, which is not something you would have said about Melbourne for quite some time. Okay. And it just got me wondering... More, more than how well Melbourne played, it just got me wondering where the Suns are headed. Yeah, I know they were without um, Lynch and Dixon, who are probably their two best tolls, but, yeah, I mean, structurally, they looked an absolute mess. Their disposal was poor. Um, you know, once again, they kind of relied too much on Ablett, who was I was pretty critical of. You know, I thought he played a pretty sulky game, and he was clearly sort of struggling with that shoulder, but not just struggling, but almost... Looked like he absolutely shouldn't have been out there. Yeah, he's, he's the captain, so he probably does want to play if he's fit. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a classic Barry Ablett performance by any means. And now there I, mean, was... I, I thought he visibly pulled out of about four or five contests, which you just don't expect from Gary. Is he is he still worried about the shoulder? That's... I think he might be. Yeah. Mm. I guess he probably couldn't help but be. He's had nine months off. It's probably not going to be as strong as it used to be. So maybe I'm critical because I made him my dream team captain, but you never know. 
<laughs> didn't crack 100, did he? No, nowhere near it. <laughs> no. Look, yeah, I mean, the D's played well. Benny Newton in his first game for the D's uh, had a bit of a ripper. You know, picked up uh, 15 or 16 disposal and kicked a couple of goals um, late in the game, which was great to see. You know, he had a fantastic game. And as you said, I mean, Melbourne looked um, actually enjoyable to watch for about the first time in, you know, five or six years. Yeah, it's surprising. Maybe maybe Ruzi's changed his coaching philosophy over the off-season. That's it. Look, for me, um, the game that sort of piqued my interest most was the Bulldogs versus West Coast thriller on uh, Saturday night. I mean, two teams which are kind of widely picked to finish in the bottom six. Um, I thought they played footy how it should be played. I mean, it was attacking, it was aggressive, it was super fast-paced, you know, great skills, heaps of talent on show from both sides. Um, you know, the Dogs got home in a thriller pretty late on in the piece. Um, I thought that was the match of the round. Yeah, how good is Bontempelli? Oh, he's going to be a star. He's, Absolute star. He's ridiculous. He reminds me of um, Anthony Kudafidis in his prime. Yeah. But with more pace. I mean, it's, it's scary how good he could be. What's he played? 15 games? Yeah, about that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and then you've got guys like Jake Stringer. I mean, the Dogs have the base of a top-four side. I don't think it'll be this year, or maybe not even the year after, but certainly in the future. You can see that they've um, drafted quite well, um, and they're putting together a, quite a good list of, um, of raw talent. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think probably a lot does depend on how well Tom Boyd comes on. If he can be that 50-60 goal a year forward... Then, then that really does help their cause. The sky's the limit. Mm. But yeah, they've got they've got a promising a promising list. That's it. Well, look, mate, how do you think we'll go against the Swans this week? It's it's going to be tough, but we did play pretty well against them twice last year. Didn't win on either occasion, but we got close. And I think probably. At home, full team, everyone's got another week under their belt. Hopefully, Lou be back in. I think we can just get over the line, but it's going to be tough. Yep. No, good call. Well, mate, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been, uh, been great to speak to you again. My pleasure, Maka. And no doubt we'll speak to you again uh, later on this year as well. Fantastic. Cheers, mate. Too easy. Until next time, mate, go the power. Go the power. Hi everyone, we are back, and this time we are with Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Macca, you? Yeah, good, buddy, good. I feel like, Enjoy your weekend? Yeah, yeah, very good. I feel like royalty, my friend. I'm even getting chauffeur-driven to uh, to make this call live from nice. the, uh, Port Clinton. There you go. Ah, lovely. Right, lovely. Me- now, Fishing Rick, did you do some fishing on the weekend? Unfortunately not. Uh, what? Young Macca, I... My son's very disappointed once again, but it blew nearly the whole time we were here. So um, the winds were too, uh, making the water too choppy and uh, we didn't get out. And I know Tyler went out for a crab, but all females, so no good. So we chucked them all back. So at the end of the cycle, but the whiting is about to uh, ramp up, I believe. That's what the locals are telling me. So um, here we go. I think Anzac Day will be a reasonable time for people to start getting into the whiting and the mullet will be on too. So, uh, good should, stuff. Should be interesting. And, and what about you? How was your weekend, mate? Did you have a good footy fest weekend? 
<clears throat> yeah, mate, loved round one. It was fantastic, uh, except for our result, of course. But um, yeah, had a great weekend. Had my, my son's third birthday, so that was fantastic. Got to catch up with a lot of family and friends, so that was also good. So Lovely. yeah, good weekend. Excellent. Enjoyed it. That's what we like to hear. So, that's it. So you're talking about the footy. Do we, I guess that's what we're here for. Absolutely, mate. Uh, you want to give us your love and hate uh, for the weekend? Well, I guess I love the fact that um, Chad Wingard and, and Jackson Tringo coming back from such little game time were, uh, were still able to be influential players in the game. Um, yeah, the, Chad had his moments, and obviously he, he did better than what I expected, to be honest. I, uh, I thought he wouldn't have impacted the game uh, as much as he did, and I, and I thought Jackson... Uh, uh, was just consistent uh, throughout and, and didn't really get pe- beaten that often and, and really showed strength at the contest and at the body and, and did his job very well. Um, look, I no, guess, that's a good call. I guess our hate... Good call. Um, I didn't really like our game plan, Macca, which I'll, I'm sure we'll have a chat about okay. shortly. Um, yep. But uh, it was quite noticeable that I thought uh, we, we weren't playing our natural game plan it was an unhinkly like sort of game style to me and uh and i well i guess i, I won't be too harsh because it's round one when we have a bit of a chat about it but um i was a bit disappointed and what i was probing uh you and triby uh, in the preview really sort of came to fruition which was which was what i was concerned about okay yeah well you read my mind mate because my love was chad wingard as well so uh yeah. you picked well <laughs> well, how about that mark in the goal square that he got whacked? That was amazing. He, you know, he just yeah. got up, no dramas. And he might have, because I didn't have the uh, the Foxtel, so, and the Channel 7 feed's always hopeless, but I didn't see it replay. Right at the end of the game, he sort of had a mark in the goal square and, and it got overturned. Did you see what it was overturned for? Oh, I think it was a bit of a, a push in the back. Oh, I must have missed it. Was it an obvious yeah. one? Oh, I thought he was a bit unlucky. Oh, I thought it was, it was one of those ones where it could have gone either way, but... You couldn't really blame the umpire for calling it, yeah. I think. Yeah, fair enough. And what about your hate? What did what didn't you like? Oh, my hate was the uh, lack of competitiveness from our forward line. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I um, and I think everyone's been a bit harsh on John Butcher, to be honest. He seems to be a bit of a scapegoat. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, he had a poor game, but I think uh, Schultz and Westhoff probably had worse games. So, well, that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, at, at the end of the day. Uh, the Butch is our third key forward in that forward line. And uh, Schultze and Westhoff are our two go-to guys. And um, they all struggle, which was, I guess is credit to Frio and I think a bit of a, a, a bit of that game plan that I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, mate, do you want to give us a, a quick review of uh, what you thought of the game? Yeah, well, I, I had a couple of beers before the game and so I was all excited. <laughs> of course. And, uh, I was on a, I was on a uh, alcoholic... High, expecting a victory, but uh, I just thought. Uh, look, I guess if I cut it simple, I, mean, I thought individually our players were pretty good, um, and uh, and I noticed post game I ventured to the car to, to just to hear what was being said on the radio, and and they and they spoke about the great disposal uh, efficiency that we had as a team, and and Ollie and they were interviewing Ollie Wines, and and Ollie was saying uh, it was probably too high and it was a bit too conservative, and and that's uh, that's sort of what I got out of the game. I mean, mm. we pu- we played a position a possession game uh, for the bulk of the game. We, I didn't think we played our normal hard running game style, 
Um, and uh, and I guess we maybe we were over Sanderland conscious with him, especially dropping back behind the the ball. And uh, but uh, I also thought that with our game plan, we seem to be still uh, overusing the handball. I don't. I haven't been able to read the boards because I've been away. But I don't know if. Uh, Re H has been banging on about the uh, the UFH, but uh, he has a little bit. Yeah, I just yeah. he has. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought again, you know, like, if you think back to in our prime last year, um, you know, when we were handballing, we were handballing to players on the run and in an aggressive manner, manner. So either forward or on a forty-five degree angle. Um, a lot of our handballs this pre-season and coming into this game and this game were uh, either sideway handballs or behind handballs and. Uh, yeah, so, look, I mean, but it was a great contest. I mean, and I'm being very harsh. And I think, and it's fantastic that our club has been able to rise, lift the standards so high that honourable losses like this uh, for a lot of supporters, um, you know, isn't satisfactory, especially when we had an excellent opportunity to, uh, to win the game. And I, I'll pose this question to you. I mean, coming into three-quarter time or at three-quarter time, uh, we had the we, we had the lead and we started the the last quarter very well and we yep. still had the we had the winning margin. Did, were you thinking here we go we're we're going to run over the top of them? I didn't think we were going to run over the top of them because it wasn't that sort of game. But I thought we would uh, we would hold on when Ollie Wines kicked that goal. I thought you know we might kick one or two others um, and and go out to sort of you know like a, a fifteen to twenty point lead and, and maybe win by ten. Um, but then, of course, Pavlich gold sort of 30 seconds after that. So that sort of nullified Ollie's goal. And, you know, then they sort of got on top of us from there. Yeah. And I, I guess when it's such a close margin as well, it, you can sort of isolate some key moments. I guess Jake Mee got caught out a couple of times, which um, uh, resulted in a couple of uh, turnovers and goals. And having a look at the stats in the paper today, it was really the uh, the scores from turnover, which hurt us in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, I want to talk a bit more about the game plan. I mean, as you said, it was heavily based around short kicks. Um, You know, possession was king. It was a very measured and and patient approach. Um, As you've said, it's completely different to what we've seen under Hinckley before. Um, Do we think this is a one-off as a response to Frio's game? Well, I would hope so. I would assume it was interesting, like, because I don't really get the paper anymore, so I don't look at the stats, but... Uh, the advertiser, I've got to say, they have fantastic stats in the paper. So it was noticeable. One of the, the stats, which I haven't really seen easily accessible, was uh, the metres gained. Um, so Frio had about nearly 350 metres gained on us. So there's that. Yep. I think that highlights to me that they were probably setting uh, their defence or flooding behind the ball pretty heavily, uh, which it was then allowing them to try and run their ball the ball out. Um, I thought it was, it was a, there was improvement from us there where we didn't really have those transition goals which they got against us in the semi-final, uh, which we discussed in the preview. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we just seemed to be worried about just bombing it long into the forward line um, and we just sort of walked away uh, from our, um, uh, you know, our quick-running play into, the very, into, into our forward line, which was, to me, it reminded me of when we were in our rut in last year. Um, that yep. mid-season slump when we had a couple of injuries and uh, we, we really started playing that slower, chippy possession-style game plan instead of running with the ball. 
Yeah, look, I actually really liked the way we played on the weekend. I thought it was a, a considered approach to to, tw- uh, to try and sort of squash, you know, Frio's influence on the game, and it almost worked. I mean, it, it almost came off. Yeah. Um, the thing I liked about it most was I, I think it was in response to, and I mentioned this to T. Cray. I think if you think back to the the last two games that we played against Frio last year, mm. there was a quarter in each game where they just absolutely blew us out of the water, and I think us playing that sort of possession-style game plan was in direct contrast to try and squash that. Yep. And I think, I guess, you know, we're a bit rusty. I think I think having those five players coming into the game uh, with, with minimal match practice and time probably did sort of come unstuck a little bit, especially uh, it was interesting that we took Bobby off for cramp and just didn't let him rec- uh, allow him to recover. I don't know what your th- thoughts were, but I was sort of hoping Need was probably going to come off and um, and Monfries would have taken Need's uh, place in that last quarter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was probably a bit of an odd decision to take Carlisle off, and in the end, Pavlich had such a ripping last quarter. Um, and probably ran sort of homps around a little bit, um, and he was arguably the match winner. Um, I think Sanderlands was probably their most influential player, but certainly uh, Pavlich was the match winner late in that last quarter there. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, that's a question that I asked T-Cray as well, was, you know, do we think we took too many underdone players in? And I'm not even talking about the guys that, um, you know, got injured and, and missed a lot of football or, or guys like Monfries and Ryder. Um, you know, we, we took guys like Need and White in who had poor pre-seasons um, and they both didn't deliver um, last night as well. No, well, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I thought Need's pre-season was okay, but I was a bit concerned about White's as well. And, and um, yeah, look, this this is the uh, the worry for me. The last two years, we've we've really been such a hard-running side at the start of the, the season and um, we've got our full-strength side and it's noticeable that that's not the case in nearly all the games that we've played, um, that we don't seem to have that same running ability. Um, so I don't know if the pre-season workload's been different this year and they've scaled it differently. Um, but, yeah, just something seems different to me. And um, as I said to you uh, on Thursday, I, I, was sort of, I seem to be a little bit worried that we seem to be looking for that someone to flick that switch uh, instead of just going in and hunting and, and doing what we need to do. Um, but it's really hard, I guess, because it was a bloody good opposition away from home. And, um, yeah, we we pushed them far, quite far, yeah. like you said. That's it. I mean, there wasn't that much... I mean, it's rare to see that much intensity in round one. I mean, that was almost like a finals game. It, it is a bit of a cliche, well, but that was really like a finals game. Well, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but, um, yeah, it was almost the pick of the games. I didn't get to see them all, but um, from the ones that I saw, it was, yeah, the intensity was up there, it was competitive, uh, tackling intensity was up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of other stats which I thought was surprising for us as well, which result in that possession game plan. We only had 42 inside 50s, Frio 61. Um, which is very low for us. I mean, last year, I think we were tracking between 55 and 60 nearly every game. Um, but our tackle count was up, so we had the intensity at the ball carrier there, which was uh, which was quite good. And uh, I agree with you. I thought Sandalands um, really dominated the game for Frio, and we just didn't have anything to counter that. 
do you think we've lost our killer instinct? This is something that T. Cray brought up. Um, you know, our lack of close wins over the last twelve months. You know, have we lost our killer instinct? Uh, look, uh, no, I don't think. I don't think we lost our killer instinct. Um, well, what are you saying? We're flat track bullies. <clears throat> no, not flat track bullies. Just when it when push comes to the shove in close games um, in two thousand fourteen and so far in two thousand fifteen, we haven't been able to deliver. Yeah, we delivered in the semi-final against Frio. Yeah, that's that was probably the only one. Oh, that was the most important one, though. Um, but, yeah, look, I think, I guess there's, as I said, this game would have come down to moments. And, um, you know, it could have been, would have been, should have been. You know, Matty Pavlich was lucky with a couple of free kicks that he got borderline holding. Um, you know, uh, so, look, I don't know. You've got to be in that position. You're never going to win every close game that goes around, but if you're putting yourself in the position to at least be in a chance to win the game, um, well, that's good. Uh, I think my problem with us last year was not being lack of killer instinct, but sort of dropping too far behind and then relying on us to steamroll the opposition in the last quarter to come home and win. And that's what failed us against uh, Hawthorne. Um, as well, so I think sometimes we leave our run a little bit too late, and yep. it was it was obviously noticeable once we fell behind to Frio that our running game sort of became a bit more noticeable, and you know, maybe we we're leaving that game game plan a little bit too late still in relation to our game style. Yeah, certainly the game opened up in that last quarter, and you know both teams sort of. You know, started to run with the ball and take a lot more risks. And, you know, for Frio, it sort of came off for us. It, it didn't so much. But, yes, mm. uh, what did you think we did well on the weekend? Oh, look, I, we still... Uh, Robbie Gray uh, roved the clearances quite well. Um, yeah, we our defensive pressure was fantastic. I mean, Frio are renowned for their uh, defensive pressure and, and we were able to pressure them for, you know, 95% of the game. So uh, we kept ourselves right in it. Uh, our midfield uh, got plenty of ball. Um, I was really impressed with Lolly Wines. We've been uh, we've been wanting him to deliver um, with his uh, goal kicking, and he he was able to do that. And one of them yep. was a clutch goal. So absolutely, uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, I guess our disposal efficiency, our ball use was up, especially from what we saw in the preseason a little bit. So um, you know, we're around the mark, uh, and. It, I guess, like I said, it's it's just I'm so vexed by this result actually because I see some worrying signs, but at the same time I'm tempered by the fact that it is Fremantle away from home who are a bloody good side. So, yeah. uh, and at the end of the day, I only, I only picked three right in the tip. So, what do I bloody know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, like, Free have only lost three games in the last 32 at um, at Subiaco, so they've got a huge record at their home ground. They are. Almost impossible to beat there. We yeah. luckily did in the final last year, and you know that they would have had that in the back of their mind that you know they wanted a little bit of a revenge, and, and you know they probably got it last night. Yeah, look, that's exactly right. They they had that little extra spur, um, and our boys knew that. So look, I, I guess I'm not going to uh, throw all the bathwater out of the uh, out of the tub just yet. I'll. Uh, it's just this is where our first five weeks just become such a challenge, though, doesn't it? Because you know, it, it doesn't get any easier now that we're up against um, Sydney this week. 
no, and, no. Uh, and this has been our concern as a supporter base that you know if our boys are a little bit off or just behind the eight ball mm-hmm. there's there's no let off or easy game and um, yeah we could quite easily be Norton 2 Norton 3 Norton 4 so uh, but I think the boys will be better for the run and uh, I, yeah I mean well, what did you think about our our run in the last you know was I don't reckon we had this we don't look like we've got the same fitness this year as what we did in the last two seasons coming into round one that's for sure I think when you come in with you know five or six guys that had literally no pre-season um, then that's going to uh, that's going to happen I think yeah and I think because I mean you, you looked at guys like Needy guys like Whitey I mean they were running on the spot in that last quarter they were absolutely yeah. stuffed and they weren't the only ones I mean no. And if we're talking about what what we did well, um, what about what Brad Ebert did well? I mean, his running for the whole game was just amazing. You know, he uh, fit and firing, ball winner, getting uncontested possession because he was running for the ball. A great leader's game. And what do you? And what about T Boke? Did you think he was a little bit down? Hard to say. I mean, his numbers were huge, but I don't think he had the influence that we normally expect from Travis Boke when he has those sort of numbers. Yeah, and this is where, again, the game became comes a little bit vexing because, I mean, you look at it, I mean, Travis got mid-20s, you got Robbie Gray, 31, Brad Ebert, you know, 34, Ollie Wines was right up there. Um, so it was probably our, uh, our second... 12 players where we probably lacked a little bit of output, I guess. But, yeah, um, um, yeah all our major ball winners. I mean, Robbie Gray started you know, like he finished last year, which is, I think, a very good sign for us as supporters. So, look, we're around the, we're around the mark. Um, I think our patchy uh, form that we sort of illustrated in the preseason just sort of came through at the end there. So, yeah, yeah it, this week we would want to see an increase... Um, we have to uh, see an increase in, uh, in our game plan for this week and our running ability and uh, and see where we go. Is our forward line a bit of a concern? Because uh, Jay Schultz and Justin Westhoff both had poor pre-seasons. Um, Johnny Butcher came in, didn't really fire. Um, we've already spoken about um, Jakey Need and Matt White, to, uh, who really struggled. And Monfries um, didn't give us the spark that we probably wanted when he came onto the ground. Um, yeah. Is the forward line a bit of a concern? Oh, look, I don't think so. I, I think Aaron, with hindsight now, I think Aaron Young probably would have provided us a little bit more um, than Jake Need. Uh, yeah. You know, if Matt White's playing that half-forward role, uh, I guess that's probably questionable as well. But who, who do you replace him with? Um, you know, because he does have that speed factor, I guess. Um, yeah, and I, look, I think Freo are a good side. And yeah. I think our tall forwards were just a victim of our slow ball movement. Yeah, we they were very, you know, they were going to be getting up, coming up against two two defenders bulk at the time because we were trying to do the uh, the precise pass and delivery. It was sort of almost the old Chuck esque two thousand and eight nine sort of game plan in a way. Mm. The uh, you know the purest sort of game plan that you hope to deliver that you're going to have that perfect football, but against the quality sides that apply pressure are very uh, difficult to execute. As you said, we had uh, quite a slow measured approach, but I, I thought there was one player that really stood out as you know taking the game on and, and run, running the lines and all that sort of thing, and that was Jared Pollock. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my comment on Facebook, but I, I thought he was amazing. Um, and 
when I saw your best players, uh, uh, I commented that I, I actually, I thought I, at the time, I gave him best on ground only because to me, he, he was the one. Probably you could argue Brad Ebert as well that was representing of taking the game on at every opportunity. Every time he got the ball, he ran. And yeah. I don't know, did you notice, Macca, that he seems to be a lot more difficult to uh, tackle this year? Yeah, well, as we spoke to uh, to Rondo on the on last week on the podcast, you know, he said that he was uh, one of the keys in the gym this off season, and I've, I think you can tell, you know, he's a little bit stronger through his core, and he is starting to break those tackles when uh, when someone comes at him. Well, I, I think, well, I think I can only remember one, maybe sticking Max. Yep, I think he was able to break those shackles uh, the bulk of the time, and and like I said, he was getting a, a fair chunk of contested ball and breaking the lines. And providing run, so well, I mean he's a great pickup, and yeah, he he really um, was a fantastic player for us. And that's where again, this is where it's really weird because I don't think there's a right around. There was not one real ultra standout player for us last night. It was, they, everyone was sort of very similar with their performance at different times. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Um, who were your best players, mate? Yeah, well, look, like I said, I had I had Polek last night. I might have been a bit harsh on uh, on Ebert, but uh, so I might be changing it a little bit here. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to still stick with Polek. I thought he was great for the whole game. Um, you know, Brad Ebert was uh, fantastic as well, and uh, and then you've got Ollie Wines also that was right up there. Uh, you know, and I guess I'm I'm sort of shortchanging Robbie Gray because, uh, but uh, I guess he's set the bar so high. Uh, but then I, I've sort of changed it a little bit, and I've got Trengove and uh, Chad Wingard um, for fourth and fifth, fifth because, um, especially with their limited preseason, uh, but what they were able to do and influence the game. I mean, Trengove was excellent and uh, nullified everything, and Chad, you know, was influential with two goals. And well, I, I actually was really impressed with Homs. I thought Homs had a great game uh, yeah. for three and a half quarters, and he was a yeah. bit unlucky. Um, have kicked two goals on him in the last. Um, yeah, and I think that might have been the difference between us winning and losing, Alipati coming off, because we did seem to lose a little bit of structure there, and Alipati had a very solid game. Um, but I thought Homsch was fantastic. And, you know, you, there's games where you would have seen those two free kicks that he had against him uh, not called, and uh, it would have just been play on. So yeah. uh, he's becoming a very, very reliable defender for us. No, that's it. Well, Sydney this week, um, how much is riding on this result? Well, it becomes massive now, doesn't it? Uh, mm. In the preview, I thought that this game was really going to be a, a platform for our season. And, uh, you know, I've spoken numerous times on my blog about the players having to meet expectation. Um, well, the pressure is going to go up a little bit now. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get, you know, with the tough draw, we might get a couple of free rides, but... Uh, you know, the pressure's going to be turned up a little bit if we're Norton too. So, uh, you know, but I think those boys, uh, you know, Ryder, um, the two, Chad, Trango, Monfries, Hartlett. Hartlett was a little bit uh, uh, hit and miss last night. He was, and what do you think of Paddy? What, how, what did you take of his first game in four colours? <clears throat> Look, I thought he, he tried his heart out, absolutely, and there were moments around the ground where I thought he was really, really good, but he really did struggle in the centre uh, the center clearance, and, you know, Sandlands is just that hard to beat, and Ryder tried, you know, three or four different strategies on, on how to get around him, but 
none of them worked. I mean, it was just one of those games. I think that's, um, looking at uh, their history, I think that's the first time that he's actually gone up against Sanderlands is uh, when they've both been um, sort of lead ruck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll be a good learning experience for him for next time we've pl- we face Frio. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I actually thought he might do it right because um, Jacko, when he went in ruck last year against Sandy with his leap, was able to do okay. So it might have just been an opportunity for Paddy to uh, to just see how he positions himself in the ruck contest and, uh, yeah, he might be better for the run. Um, yeah. But you could tell he was a little bit rusty. and uh, But he showed a few signs and... Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I've obviously omitted talking about Loby uh, at all, not being there because I, you know, Freer had a few players coming back from injury and a few players out. So I thought uh, we were very similar in uh, in terms of personnel available and, and skill set and class. So we really had no excuses with uh, with Loby missing the game. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Well, look, a uh, across the rest of the AFL, what piqued your interest, mate, this weekend? Oh, I reckon I'd have to probably go um, Melbourne beating the Gold Coast. Hmm, yep. I think, yeah, I reckon that's... I mean, I tipped it, so that was one of the only tips I got. How many did you get this yep. week, Macca? Uh Five or six, I think. Oh, well done. Hey, six or seven, but, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I guess there was a... I guess the most noticeable thing was there was a... It was probably a few blowouts. You know, the Crows... Um, decimated North Melbourne, who were just absolutely hapless and, again, touted as a, a premiership uh, side and they come out and get belted in round one by, what, 70-odd points. Disgraceful. Um, Geelong, I guess, everyone's singing they're on the slide, but maybe today showed it. But, yeah, I thought Melbourne standing up and uh, proving to uh, Gold Coast that, and the AFL world that uh, maybe they're going to have to be taken a little bit more seriously this year. Yeah, no, that's a good call. That's what uh, T. Cray had as well. Uh, did you watch it? I did. Yep. Yep. How Gold Coast our... were uh, were shambolic at, at periods of that game. How was our former uh, player Ben? Did he have much influence? <laughs> yeah. Look, he he had a pretty good game. He had you know sort of sixteen or seventeen touches and kicked two goals. Um, kicked a couple yeah. of great goals and yeah. celebrated like he just won a grand final. It was uh, it was great to see. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. He went off. (laughs) It was great. No, he played really well. It was a good performance, and hopefully for him, he can back that up and and keep doing that throughout the rest of the year. I mean, you can't blame the guy for wanting uh, extra opportunities, and I I can see a reason why he wanted to go. And, uh, yeah, good luck to him for going to Melbourne. It would be a tough call, you know, where they've been in uh, recent history. But, um, you know, I heard a bit on the radio that Hogan and Vandenberg sound like two good forwards for them as well. Yeah, Vanderberg had a pretty good debut. Um, he played well, and, and Jesse Hogan as well. You know, he's just a, a big lump of a lad, and you know, took some really strong marks and kicked two goals. And yeah, I mean, Melbourne, as I said to T. Cray, you know, Melbourne were, were watchable for the first time in about five or six years. And Gold Coast, you know, they've just relied too much on Gary Ablett, who uh, you know, who who played a really poor game, and you know, just looked completely um, vexed about what to do with his shoulder. Yeah, he got slammed pretty hard too, didn't he, with the uh, mm. couple of tackles that I saw on the highlights. So, um, I mean, what, he's had about, what, five months out of the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it shows that he is fallible. And, uh, well, and I'm sure Gold Coast will be better for the run. I, I guess that was probably the noticeable thing um, out of this round, including us. 
I think there was a lot of teams that just needed a run for points. And there was, obviously yeah. you had Essendon, Collingwood, us that ran out of gas, just to name a couple. There was a lot of teams that at the end of uh, the last quarter uh, were, were knackered. Yep, absolutely. And what did you? What was your game of the round? Uh, my game of the round was Western Bulldogs versus uh, West Coast. I thought it was a fantastic game. It was how football should be played. It was fast, aggressive, attacking, great skills, lots of talent on show. It was just a, a brilliant game of footy and, and a, an absolute thrilling result. And how was the million-dollar man, Tom Boyd? Did he uh, kick 10 goals? No, he didn't do much. No, he uh, you know sort of struggled for touch, I guess. You know, he's still only young. I mean, he's only, what, 19 or something, and... Yeah, he kicked a goal, took a couple of grabs, and, and that was it. But, you know, it was pretty much the Marcus Bontempelli show on the weekend. Yeah, he's going to be a gun, isn't he? I, every time I hear his name, I think of Mish. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, no, he yeah. called it. No, he it he did, didn't he? And look, it was great to see... Uh, it sounds harsh, but it was great to see Geelong get thrashed today as well. Um, oh. You know, I think their supporters have, have often sort of championed uh, the next group coming through, but I, I just don't see it being there. You know, I think they're going to be in a, in a world of hurt in a couple of years' time. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, you know, especially when you got Bartell and, and Stevie J. It's I think you know once I think footy clubs rely on the fabric of a couple of um, spiritual leaders. You know, so for us at the moment, it's probably Gray, Trengove, and folk that are in their prime and. You know, Hawthorne, it's probably Hodge and Mitchell and Ruffhead that are their leaders. I think it just shows once you lose a couple of those leaders and, you know, we lost them with our club. And, I mean, even if you go to the second-tier comp, I mean, look what the Gowans were able to do at Central Districts. Uh, and then once they left, uh, how the culture changes. I think, yeah, Geelong's um, might be uh, on that downward spiral. And we all think yeah. it's going to last forever, but the wheel does turn eventually. It never does. No, they've got no. nine players in their... First 18 who are uh, 30 years or older. Um, yeah. So, you know, when they sort of retire in the next sort of 18 months, you know, 24 months, um, you know, I just don't well, see we... them having that class coming through and I think they're definitely going to be a bottom force team um, in, a, in a couple of years' time. All right, mate. Uh, we might leave it there for this evening. Too easy. We, uh, we're back to a normal schedule this week, I take it. Only we are, a fri- yep. Friday night game. Good work. That's so, it. So... Uh, Exciting times, and obviously you'll be down for Port Sydney. Yep, absolutely. Can't yeah. wait. Can't yes. wait to see them in action. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, we won't spoil the preview, but I guess it's going to be a massive uh, midfield battle, isn't it? It is. Yep. Oh, mate, you no have doubt. a great evening. You too, buddy. Until uh, next time, well, go the power. Go the power. See you, people. Ricochet to Sean Bergon, who delivers beautifully on the chest of Thurston. Pick-